They are being led by the glory of God. They're being led by the glory of God. They're also being led by Moses, the mediator. And the glory of God was manifesting in a fire cloud by night and a big cloud by day. So at night, it would give light, and by day, it would give shadow. And God was giving them manna from heaven. That's the easiest job you'll ever have to get food, is to pick it up off the ground. That's the easiest job you'll ever have for food. Am I right? Because we can work hard for our food. And we're in this space now. And listen to what's happening. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor, by the way of the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom. They had to go around the land of Edom because Edom was constantly attacking them and having wars and they weren't feeling like it. God took them around. But where are they going? They're going to the promised land. They're on their way to the promised land. This is, this is us. This is you and I. This is where we live. We get saved. We come out of the bondage of Egypt. And then we go on a journey to the wards, the promised land. But where the glory of God leads us is not always where we want to go. Who knows that? Amen. Who knows that? That the journey God takes you on, and not necessarily the straight route, I want to go there. To that promise of peace, that promise of rest. That, because each one of us in our hearts, the day we get saved... The day we surrender the Lord, we've got an idea of what we want and where we would like to be and how we would like to experience life. And obviously, when our time comes, that we'll be in God's presence forever. Amen. Okay, so we're on this journey. Now, Numbers is, the, is the, what the fifth book or the fourth book in the Bible right in front. And it says this now. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. That's us. Don't we get discouraged? Don't we get tired? Yet it's the glory of God leading us. We see the glory of God in our lives. We wake up and we look at the beautiful place where we live. We see the sunrise, the sunset, the night skies. The glory of God, the presence of God leading us on our journey. You see, in that journey that God takes you on, He's going to deal with some stuff. He's going to ask you to sacrifice some stuff. He's going to ask you to say, you need to finish with Egypt, the Durban poison. Yeah? You're going to have to forget about that. He's going to ask you to change friendships and god's going to say the season for that friendship is over he's going to remove those people out of your lives and that's going to hurt it's not happy it's not a nice place he's going to tell you to deal with some issues in your own life your own vanity your own ambition now, I had a dream. I only had one dream my whole life, and that was to play professional rugby. Before there was professional rugby, I had a dream of playing professional rugby. And when I got saved, you know what the Lord said? Yes, klar, ne? Finished playing rugby. I had a contract in Italy to go play rugby for six months. This is a 97 for 100,000 rand. And I'm flying in two months. And the Lord says to me, you're not going. You are finished. I cried for five years. Five years. I'd look at that TV and cry when the guy's playing rugby. Because that's the only thing I'm good at. It's the only thing I can do. Till today, in my own mind, that's the only thing that I've ever been excellent at. See, when we're on this journey, God's going to ask us to leave Egypt. And the... And, there's a discouragement that comes. Listen to these guys became discouraged. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. 
I spoke. God's already saved them. He's redeemed them. He's rescued them. He's got them out of Egypt. He split the Red Sea for them. He made a year of plagues fall on the Egyptians. He is making food fall from heaven. Have you seen me if it rains food from heaven? <laughs> you know, that's the easiest job you'll ever have. I'm hungry. Let's go to the lawn. There's some food there. <laughs> Five second rule, eh? <laughs> and they become discouraged because they want to get to this place. You see, they want to make it a destiny and not a process. They want to task it and not relationship it. And the Lord is into relationship. And the people spoke against God and His ways. They spoke against Him. They spoke against Moses. Moses represents God's laws. Now, we're not talking about Old Testamentical laws now, but they spoke against God's laws. Moses said, this is how we're going to do it. All right? We're going to have one wife. And you're going to marry her. And then you're going to have the benefits. No, we don't want to do that anymore. We want to do it like we did it in Egypt. He says, you're going to be sober. You're no longer going to indulge in those spirits, but in the spirit. No, no, we don't want that, God. We don't want it. We want to stay together and we want to do this and we want to. They spoke against him and they spoke against the mediator, God's ambassador, the man of God. They spoke against him. Now I want you to see what happens. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? You see, because the soul is now dying. My, this, the flesh is dying. We want to do things our way. I want to play Xbox all day, Dad. No, it's not happening. I want to do things my way. Uh, you know what? I'm going to unfairly charge people, and I'm going to dodge tax, and I'm going to do all these things, and I'm going to turn a blind eye. And I, you know, if I lie, it's not a bad story. You know, we can just deal with that. See, now we're dying in the wilderness on the way to the promised land, and they get discouraged. For there is no food. Were there no food? No, there was food. Were there no water? No, there was water. It came from a rock. And our soul, and listen to this, loathes the worthless bread. You see that bread? Yes, it was food. It was light. And you had to get a lot to be filled and you had to eat often. Does that sound like good diet? Small meals often? Yes, eh? Dietitians didn't think this out. God did. <laughs> All right? That's God's plan, not a dietitian's plan. It's not science. But there, you can see it. But it also represents the Word of God. Because Jesus says, I am, John 1, the Word was God, the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. And Jesus says, I am the manna that came down from heaven. So it's the Word of God. So they were loathing what the Word of God says, what the Spirit of God is saying. They're like, no, we don't like that. It's, it's worthless to us. We would rather have Egypt. We'd rather go back there. Because then we had some steaks. We had some meat that we liked. We had some pleasures that pleased us. The soul, our soul loathes the, this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. You see, there came a venom. Fiery serpents, they say that fiery serpents, because number one, when it bit you, it burned, and then the venom killed you. 
See, because the poison got inside. What's the poison? Sin. Sin is inside. The poison's in the inside. The venom is in the inside. And it's killing us. It's killing the people. It's killing relationships. It's killing generations. It's killing destiny. It's killing purpose. It's killing your children and your wife and the relationships you have. You Sin kills. Does the word not say the wages of sin is death? Are we all going to kill over one instant? No, no, no. The venom is inside. It's killing. It's killing. Now, people that don't like snakes, how many people don't like snakes? Just because the snake is the devil. Nah. The snake is the devil. Listen to what God does. Therefore, the people came to Moses. Now suddenly Moses can mean. Now suddenly the man of God can do something. Now suddenly the law of God can do something. We're dying. We need help. And said, we have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord. And we have sp- and against you, Moses. Pray the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Just go to the next, the John 3, please. Is it John 3? The Hebrews, Hebrews. Go to Hebrews, the scripture on Hebrews 13. Let me read it to you. Hebrews 13, 17. If you want to go to your Bible, Hebrews 13, 17. I want to show you something of what happens. See, Moses was doing this all the time. All the time Moses was doing this. Hebrews 13, 17. Have you got it on the board there? No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You can go back to the Numbers verse. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. And those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. You see, every single pastor in every church, if he is true to God and true to the core, watches over your soul. It's a immense responsibility to come and stand in front of people that are intelligent, that have got life experiences, that probably knows the Bible better than I do. And tell them, you cannot allow these things in your house. You need to be married. You cannot let your children watch these things. It's an immense responsibility. Why? Is it from a judgmental place? No. You see, because we see the snakes. We see the snakes that's going to put venom inside of you, that's going to kill you. It's going to kill your generation. It's going to kill your children. It's going to kill your marriage. It's going to kill your destiny and your purpose and your calling. It's going to rob you of your anointing. It's going to steal it off you. Because that's what the enemy wants. He wants your anointing. He wants your gifting. You want your call, because then you cannot influence people anymore. You cannot raid hell and populate heaven without anointing. You lose your testimony. You lose it. They say, Moses, we have sinned against you and God. Pray the Lord that he may take it. So Moses did what a mediator does, a pastor does. He prayed to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be, make a snake. And God takes a snake. They made it out of bronze. They took this, the symbol of a snake and they put it on a cross and set it on a pole so that, so that everyone who is bitten, who's got the venom inside, will look at the snake, all right, 
when he looks at it, shall live. Now suddenly, a snake's image changes. In Genesis, snake is the devil. All right? Yeah, snake is healing, survival, redemption. I want you to understand God's creation is not evil. Okay? That snake got possessed. Not all snakes are possessed. Unless they are black mambas. <laughs> I'm enjoying that. So they had, they were discouraged. And then they started complaining. And then came the destruction. They started dying. And then there was the salvation. Look at the snake. That snake on a cross is the only type that Jesus referred to on himself. Let's go to John 3. Is it by John 3? And Moses lifted up the serpent, as, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, this is Jesus speaking, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What does it mean? You see, when Jesus was on that cross, the Bible says He took our sin in His flesh. He took the venom in Him. Do you know your poison? Do you know what poison you carry? I want to show you the poison that you carry. John 14. And this is the message I want to bring to you. John 14. The last of the Gospels. The fourth book in the New Testament. I want you to see this. Verse 1. This is the venom that's in. Do you know your poison? Ah, oh, I love this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. When do you not have to have your heart troubled? When you believe in God. Until you believe in Him, your heart better be troubled. Okay? You better be, because there's a venom inside. There's a poison that's killing you on the inside. But when you believe in God, you don't have to be troubled. Believe also in me, says Jesus. My Bible is red letters, eh? so Jesus is speaking. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I, can you see what he's addressing? Canaan, the promised land. Jesus is speaking to the promise. He says, I'm, take, I'm making a place, a place for you, my father's house. This is where we're going. When you, times on earth is up, and you believe in God, and you believe in Jesus, that's where you're going. Dad's house. There's a place for you. There's a house for you. There's a castle for you. And I will go and prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you to myself. What's he addressing? The end of age. Jesus is coming back. All right? There are people that say, well, they don't believe in that. Well, frankly, my dear, when that trumpet sounds... And you see a man on a horse, a God on a horse riding. You better know. I don't believe in that. Good. And then that day, it's too late. The horse is bolted. That, I, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? 
They weren't understanding. We, we in hindsight understand this. Maybe you've never heard this. Maybe it's the first time you hear this. But, and then you with them, you don't know. Where is he going and what's the way that he's taking? He says, well, I'm going to the grave. I am going to the cross. I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to die on that cross. I'm going to take your sin, suck it into me, and I am going to become sin for you, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21. I'm going to become sin for you. I'm going to take all the sin of the world on me, even though I am innocent and blameless and perfect, because you don't have a remedy for the poison. I am the remedy for the poison. That's not Jesus. You see, like the Son of Man needs to be lifted up. He takes that poison. He takes that, that murmuring, that moaning and groaning, that complaining against God and His law and His servants and the things that you don't like and how He sucks it up. He says, you need to come to me. I am, and Jesus said to him, I am the way. There's only one way. You cannot go by another way. There's no other redeemer. There's no other savior. There's no, the Bible doesn't give us any other answer of for salvation. And then Larry King asks, but is that fair? Is that just that the Muslim that does good works don't go to heaven? And the Hindu that doesn't kill animals don't go to heaven? But a evil person that finds Christ goes to heaven. The answer is, we don't want justice. We don't. Because if we go by justice, all of us are damned, condemned to hell. We need mercy. We need mercy. We are saved by His mercy. They didn't deserve His mercy. They deserved to die in the desert. The snakes biting them because I rescued you. I bring you out. I feed you with manna from heaven. I make a rock bleed water you can drink. I provide a light by day and by night. And you are complaining. That's us. That's us. We need grace. We need mercy. Jesus is no one. There's no other way. There's no other way you can be saved. You cannot be saved by your good works. You cannot even be saved by reading your Bible and coming to church. You know that. You cannot be saved by being in ministry. You cannot be saved even if you flow in the gift of the Holy Spirit. You cannot. If you prophesy, heal sick, raise the dead, it cannot save you. It cannot. You need grace. You need Jesus. You need to lift your eye to the man on the cross. Say, so I need you. I need you. I, I can't do it. Even on my best day. You know, like yesterday. I had a very good day. I had no evil thoughts. I didn't get angry with anybody. I didn't want to beat anybody. And then I got out of bed. <laughs> you know? After that, I can't make any promises. <laughs> we need Jesus. We need his redemption. Now, I want you to understand. If you're bitten by a snake, and there's a, there's a remedy, there's a healing, what are you going to do? Are you going to argue with that healing? Are you going to contemplate that healing? The anti-venom. Or you're going to say, stick it in. Yep. Right? Even if you don't even like needles. I don't like needles. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't. Even if you don't like needles, you're going to say, pop it in. Shoot, I don't want to die from this venom. Take the burn away. You see, when we realize the venom inside of us, of sin, the poison of sin is killing us, there is no time. There's no debate of what to do is look at the cross. Take Jesus and say, Lord, I need you. Do you know your venom? I am the way, the truth, and, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. You can only go to If you deny the Son, you deny the Father. Um, if you make Jesus just a little, another prophet, a little man, or somebody that could do, do, do good deeds and died on a cross, you will never get the Father. 
The way to the Father, the way to eternal life, the way to the promised land is only by Jesus. You cannot, don't get mad at me, please don't get mad at me, but you cannot go to the Father via Mary. He doesn't acknowledge it. You see, there was Moses and there was Aaron. But Moses was the mediator. Not an heir. Not his brother. Moses. Mary is Jesus' mother. He's not Jesus. You, by some saint, by some good work, you cannot. Your good works are like filthy rags. I don't care if you sell your whole house and feed all the orphans in the world and you give your life for it. I don't care. The Word of God says it counts for nothing unless you've got Christ. Unless you've got Him. He is the anti-venom. Verse 9. I have been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip. You has seen me, has seen the Father. Jesus is the image of the Father, the express image of the Father. If you want to know how the Father looks, acts and reacts, look at how Jesus acts and reacts and talks. He never, never screams at people. He never condemns people. He doesn't judge them. Only the self-righteous does he judge. Only those that say, I'm okay, I can live with the venom. Oh, really? You're immune, are you? No, sir, you're not. Welcome down to earth. Okay? None of us are immune to the venom of sin. None of us. We need the antidote. Okay? Do you not believe that I am in? Listen, and this is where I want you to get you. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak by my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, believe me just for the sake of the works themselves. The miracles. If, if you're confused, just look at his life. The miracles he did. No man can do that, eh? Most assuredly, I say to you, and he who believes, I want you to underline that if you've got your Bible, in me. The works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, that I will do, that the Son may be glorified, or that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What name? The name of Jesus. Can I teach you to pray? Can I just teach you to pray? I've picked it up when people pray. They shy to use the power. You know where the power lies? When you say, in the name of Jesus. Up until then, it's powerless. It's petitioning and begging. The authority, the power, is when you say, Father, I ask you, you pray to the Father, through Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. Father, I need you to help me in my exams. I ask that you do that in Jesus' name. Not in the name of God. That's not taught in this word. Our master didn't teach us that. In your holy name. I'm shooting some cows quickly. All right. In your precious name. What name? You cannot sign a check your name. <laughs> Am I right? You bring that check to the, the cashier, you're like, no. They're not, not going to accept it. You have to put the name down. The authority, the name of Jesus. I will ask you, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, and this is the relationship right from the beginning, relationship. Jesus is on a journey. He's not just about a destination. He's on a journey. He's taking us. If you love me, keep my commandments. Has it changed? Has it changed? 
No, has God changed the way he operates and what's right and what's wrong? Has he changed? If in the Old Testament he destroyed a city of 100, 200,000 people because of a certain lifestyle, does he now suddenly say, get your rainbow? Is it, go on your march for rights. Is he saying that? He doesn't change. This hasn't changed. It remains the same. If it's punishable by death in the Old Testament, it is only the grace of God that you're alive. If I'm still walking in that same thing, I cannot make a chip. Now you, the flesh, you remember that part in, in Numbers? And their souls weren't satisfied with the, this worthless manner. They got disgruntled. They didn't like it. Oh, you're telling me I'm living in sin. Yes, I'm telling you you're living in sin. You're telling me I can't go there after two beers and your lead starts and you become mellow. You are intoxicated. And no drunkard will enter the gates of heaven. Has it changed? No. Go read Revelations 21.8. It remains the same. He is a holy God. He is a righteous God. But He's just God. And He's made a way. He says, look at me. I'm the antidote for the venom. That which you think you need, you don't need. I had a friend, pastor, Pastor George he, uh, Bridger. He lived in Durban. He, he had a congregation. He passed away. About, in COVID, he passed away. He was 76. And when I just got saved, he, he had a bit of an influence in my life. And he said to me, Wilco, there's one thing I want you to There's two things I want you to know. Number one. Stop trying to be a Christian, eh? Be one. Don't try it. Be it. And the second thing, he told me a story about how he, as a pastor, every Friday, he would have to go to the bottle store and buy himself a big six-pack of beers. And he would drink that six-pack of beers over the weekend. Six beers. Never got drunk, never got intoxicated. Nothing. Six beers. Every Friday, he would go to the bottle store. And one day the Lord said to him, you know, when are you going to stop? When are you going to stop? Now people don't like it when you actually call out a specific thing. They don't like it. The flesh doesn't like it. Well, fine. Does the manner not please you? Are you disgruntled because of the manner? Do you know your poison? And it took him about two years to be obedient. And in another six months, where his steering wheel just wanted to go to the bottle store. He never got drunk, nothing. God said to him, you finished with that now. Why? Because he is enough. Amen. He is enough. You don't need that to, to calm down or be relaxed. You need the Lord. And I will pray to the Father. This is verse 16. And I will pray to the Father, and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. So what does He say? I'm not going to leave you alone. I know you can't do it, buddy. I know you can't do it. I'm going to give you a help. I'm going to need somebody to help you. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, the Paracletos, the assistant. Where is He going to reside? Come again. Are you seeing the poison you got? Are you seeing the poison that you have? It's what's inside of you. The spirit of truth. What's inside of you? The spirit of truth. So you will know truth. You will see that's a lie, and that's a lie, and that one is lying, and this system is lying, and that is not the truth, and that is not of God. The spirit of truth is inside you. That's your venom. That's the antidote for the world. Do you know your poison? Because neither, okay, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Man, can you see when you look at the cross, the anti-venom comes in for the venom, the poison of sin. And it cancels it out. 
And I will not leave you of orphans. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live and you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father. Can you see how the language has changed? And you in me and I in you. Do you know your venom? Do you know your poison? You carry the antidote for the world. You carry the antidote for sin inside of you when Jesus of Nazareth is your Lord and Savior. Not yeah, yeah. Not when you know the Bible. I know many people that know this Bible better than I do, and they've got absolutely no relationship. It's not about the destiny, it's the journey, it's relationship. He who has my commandments and keeps them, and he qualifies. This is very, very important that you understand this relationship. Jesus is speaking. He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them. Some have got his commandments, but not all keep it. And keep them. It is he who loves me. It's him we've got a relationship with. The one that keeps the commandments. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. You want the Father's love? You want, you want to experience God's love in your life? I do. Keep the commandments. Not the ten laws. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying live holy. Make Jesus your refuge. You know what's right and what's wrong. It's inside of you. And I will love him and listen to this word, listen to this word. Manifest myself to him. Manifest. You know what manifest means? Reveal. I will show myself to that person who loves me and keeps my commandment. I will show him my face. I will show him my glory. I will show, I will show up in his life. And he will see that pillar again. And he will know which way to follow and to walk. Because I'm leading him and her to the promised land. I'm leading them to peace. To peace. If you battle with peace, I want to tell you, you need to get to a place of repentance. And if you don't know how, I know a guy that can help. He sits up in that office in the weeks. You're welcome. I know he'll help you. Judas, this is not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, the manner. He will keep this. Not keep it in his closet and get some dust on it. I've got a copy and I'm keeping the word. <laughs> Somewhere in my bookshelf. <laughs> no, you'll keep it in your heart. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. So somebody that doesn't keep the words of God does not love God. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Do you understand that? If I habitually, aspris, forcefully walk in sin, I don't love God. I don't. If I stumble and fall because I'm a human being, I'm a little boy and I make mistakes, and I stand up and I say, I'm sorry, Lord. I love God. You see, the big thing is, when I was unsaved, Wednesday night, I didn't feel guilty about. I would walk in there and put a couple of shooters down and have a good warm-up before I start going on to the other stuff. And tomorrow morning, I wouldn't feel guilty about it. Why? Because I didn't love God. I loved Egypt, the pleasures of the world. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and he and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. I want you to understand, whatever I'm saying this morning, I promise you, this is not from me, it's from the Lord. If you, 
It's from the Lord. That's what the Father says. It's cut clean. It's cut straight. Because I'm great and clever. No, 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 no. I'm reading it to you from the Word. It comes from the Father. The Creator. The ultimate authority. Not me. He put this together. See, we need to elevate the Word of God. See, this is not just a book. You can write a book, but you cannot write a book like this. No human can do that. The things are spoken to you while being present to you, but the helper, your helper, buddy, your helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. What will the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit will put you, when you are in certain situations, remind you of the Word of God. But He's not going to scream at you. He's just going to very say, you know what? Remember what Jesus said. Remember. Can't divorce this woman. You can't divorce her now. I don't want you to divorce her. He's not going to stand up and say, Andrew, you can't divorce this woman. You married her. Pa! No. He's not going to do that. He's going to gently and quietly say, remember the vow you made? He's going to remind you. You're going to walk down the street and you're going to, somebody's going to do something. You're going to be angry. God's going to tell you, forgive. Lord, how many times must I forgive him? Well, 70 times 7. Today, forgive. Oh, 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 oh. Your dad was bad. You had that monster for dad. The Holy Spirit will come and say, Honor him. Honor him. You honor him. Nobody raped me, molested me. You honor him. And when I don't like that, oh, well. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither. You see, you can get a peace in the world with the Durban poison. Eh? <laughs> that also brings a peace. Durban poison also brings it. But four hours later, when your kidneys have flushed your blood, that's the peace gone. You've only got a piece of stompy word. See, the world gives and takes, gives and takes, gives and takes, gives and takes. When you walk with the Lord, He gives you a peace. It doesn't matter what the situation is. And, that, and then you can face your children with a peace. Say, buddy, we're stuffed up. There's peace there. And you can face your wife. And you can go to your boss. And you can have a peace. And you can even face the bank manager with peace. Because it is given by God when you walk with Him, when He's inside. He doesn't take it away. Oh, today I want Andrew not to have peace. <laughs> have a nice day, boy. No, 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 no. Peace. You can even have peace on Monday. <laughs> You've heard me say to you, I am going away, coming back, that you, if you love me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you, before it comes to pass, that when it does come, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has. And I want you to get this. This is very, very important. I will no longer talk with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. There's no poison in Jesus. There's no sin in him. There's no venom in him that's bad for you. There's only the antidote for sin, for salvation, for complaining and moaning and groaning and being negative and skinnering and nah, nah, nah. Do you know your poison? See, we need to look into the Word and see the mirror. Because we look into our spirit and our souls. 
My question to you is, do you want the anti-venom? Not because of elegant words or maybe a funny sermon, but because you understand that you've been bitten and it's burning. It's burning on the inside and I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling with relationships breaking down. I'm struggling with what comes out of my mouth. Look to the cross because the Son of Man must be lifted up. Must be lifted up. And you and I need to make the decision. It's there. It's there to look and say, Lord, I need that. I need that mercy. I need that grace. Or you've got the other, other, the other option. I'm immune. Good luck. None of us. Because the Word of God says, all of us fall short of the glory of God. This is a good word. This is good food. This is good food because it lifts you up. It tells you where the answer is. It's not focusing on your shortcoming. It's saying, the Lord has got the antidote. Antidote for sin. Do you know your poison? It's the poison from heaven, not from snakes. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your head where you are? Each one of us know exactly where we are with the Lord right now. Holy Spirit speaking to you. He's even speaking to me in the back of my mind. That I can hear the Lord saying some stuff to me about me. Lord, and we want to thank you for your word. Thank you that we can be vulnerable as your children. Lord, there's no condemnation here. But we want to look in the mirror and be honest. Father, and the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, convict us, convince us of what's going on. Lord, some of us have already looked at the cross and we know, we know, we know the antidotes on the inside. And we thank you for your healing and we thank you for your salvation. We thank you, Lord, that we've done nothing to deserve it. It's just grace. It's just grace. But some of us, Lord, are doubting We've maybe peeped at the cross, but not turn our full gaze on it and say, there is my salvation. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to pray with us as a congregation. We want to usher you in. We want to walk with you. We want to help administer the anti-venom because we love you. And therefore, we pray together. And you only have to do this if you want to. If you're at the place where you understand that at this moment, I am dying because of the sin that is in me. And I need the anti-venom. I can't force you to look at Jesus. I can't force you to take him. But I can walk next to you. And we as a family, we as a congregation, love doing that. Is walking with you. Straight to the cross. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I have been bitten and the venom of sin is inside of me and it's killing me. I realize that I need you. I need a healer. I need a savior. I choose to look at you on that cross and accept the price that you've paid. Thank you for taking my sin upon you. Thank you, Lord, for cleaning me. For taking it away from me. And healing me. And saving me. I declare. With everything inside of me. 
That Jesus is Lord. That He died on a cross. Blameless. For my sin. And went to hell. And rose again after three days. And He is alive. I believe that Jesus is Lord. Please come and be my Lord. I ask in Jesus' name. Thank you for saving me now. Thank you for administering the antidote that I am now healed and no longer called a sinner but a saint. That you give me the right to be called child of God. And from today on, I'm going to walk in that relationship. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come upon us, that you baptize each and every one of us with your Holy Spirit. Come fill us in. In Jesus' name. I want you to keep your heads down, eyes closed. If you've prayed that type of prayer for the very first time this morning, would you look at me, please? Just look at me. You don't have to stand up. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I want you to take certainty this morning that God is faithful to His Word. Amen. And what you have done this morning is Romans 10, verse 8, 9, and 10. You confessed, confessed with your mouth and believed with your heart that Jesus is Lord. And the Word of God says, you will be saved. It's a non-negotiable. It's like those people that looked up that, at that snake. They got healed immediately. You know your poison. Would you please stand up and I want to pronounce a blessing over you as we go and have coffee. I want you to understand that the blessing that we pronounce every Sunday is not a light-hearted matter. It's not something light. If you're going to understand that Esau deceived his father and robbed his brother for a blessing. You understand that? It's a weighty thing. It's a heavy. It's expensive. Would you open your hands and receive Father as ambassador of heaven this morning. I come and bless your children with the knowledge that the spirit of truth is inside of them. I bless them with the ability to look at the cross and receive your healing. And I bless them this morning, Lord, to be carriers of the poison of heaven, the anti-venom for the world, that they can administer that to other people in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's go have some coffee. Doesn't matter who you were, you're still coming.